0: 710. Now, let's kick off your financial
1: future. Here's Josh
2: Jelinski. Hi everybody. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. We're talking about infinite banking exposed today. Inflation and stocks. We are live on YouTube, Clubhouse, WOR and answering all of your questions if you need help navigating this uncertainty in the market we'd love to hear from you we're going to be talking about stocks bonds mutual funds whatever question you have no question is a dumb one except the one that you do not ask market down nearly three percent 2.61 on the sap 2.41 on the dow 3.24 on the nasdaq We're talking about the CPI release, NASDAQ down, and we have a real problem as inflation does not look transitory, but indeed looks permanent. But before we do that, I want to talk about infinite banking exposed. A lot of people are talking about infinite banking. Some people call it infinite spanking. Actually, I'm the only one who calls it infinite spanking because nobody really talks about it but there is a let's go to the uh the board so we're talking about infinite banking so we're doing a whole exposé on infinite banking we're calling it infinite spanking exposed now infinite banking is everywhere it's all over TikTok all over YouTube and so uh all over, wherever you can find out. And essentially, we're going to expose it today. First off, what is infinite banking? Then is it good or bad? And what can we learn from it that maybe you should be worried about with your money? So number one, infinite banking is when you overfund a whole life policy. So WL stands for Whole Life. Now you might say, Well, I thought whole life was bad. Well, we're going to talk about the pluses and cons. There are also people who do infinite banking on universal life or indexed universal life. So essentially, we're talking about infinite banking exposed today. We're talking about inflation. We're talking about stocks, the economy, macroeconomics. We'll answer any of your financial questions today. So I'll talk first about infinite banking as it relates to whole life, and we will define it. So essentially, when we're talking about infinite banking, basically, let's assume the premium is... On a policy, you have a premium. So let's say your premium is... $10,000 a year. What infinite banking says is you need to put money towards the paid-up additions rider, which is also called a PUA, and you essentially overfund a life insurance policy as some sort of tax loophole. Well, there's no real loophole in it. It's just that according to section 7702 of the IRS, and there's different internal revenue codes, that the cash value inside of a life insurance policy, also known as CVLI, grows tax-free and can be pulled out tax-free via withdrawals up to basis and then policy loans. So let's assume you put in 100 grand into a policy over 10 years. And the cash value grows to $120,000 over that 10-year period. You could withdraw up to 100,000 with no tax and then loan the remaining 20,000 with a policy loan that's tax-free. Now, when you pay for a loan, you have to pay interest, just like you would pay interest with any other type of loan. Like a HELOC. So think of it as a line of credit against your policy. So I'll go to that in a few minutes. Okay, so basically, assume you've put in 100K over a 10 year period. Your premium was 10K for 10 years. Your cash value is 120K. Your basis, that's the money you put in, is Tax-free because it's already taxed money. If you take out the difference between the cash surrender value and the basis, if you just cash out the policy, you pay ordinary income tax. But if you take a hundred grand as a withdrawal, that's tax-free. If you take an extra twenty k as a loan, that's tax-free. Well, what's the negative? Generally, there's an interest rate. We're going to assume it's five percent just for round figures. So if you loan out 100, you'd pay 5,000 in interest. That would accrue on your policy. You don't really have to pay that loan back. A lot of people get kind of a misunderstanding with this. Now, eventually, if you don't pay it back, the policy could blow up, so you have to be wary of that. So we've talked about what it is. It's the overfunding of a policy so that you can essentially loan money out as a bank to buy cars, to pay for vacation, and you have the protection. Now, here's the thing I don't know why we need clever titles. Maybe it's clickbait, like infinite banking, but to me, it's kind of a misnomer because you don't own a bank, right? If you own a life insurance policy, you own a life insurance policy. You don't own a bank. So I don't know why it's called infinite banking, but you don't own a bank. So I think it was originally titled by a guy named Nelson Nash in a very interesting book called The Infinite Banking Concept. So Nelson Nash wrote this book. A lot of people are running with it, selling life insurance policies to people expecting to make a great rate of return. I want to be clear here. Policies, a good whole life policy is a dividend of four, five, maybe 6% at the absolute highest right now. You generally you buy a dividend paying whole life that is participating in the profits of the company. They pay dividends, you're participating and they cannot cancel you so long as you pay the premium. But I just think it's a little bit overhyped right now. Nothing against the strategy, I'm a big believer in utilizing cash value life insurance. Why am I a big believer in it? Because it's a nice conservative place to grow cash. It is non-correlated. So let's talk about some of the benefits. It is benefit number one. Let's go over all the benefits. Benefit number one, it has a death benefit. Benefit number two, it could have living benefits. I'll get what that means. Essentially, when you have a policy, it's not just good if you die. It's also good if you live. But things can happen if you live. Problems can occur if you live. What are those problems? Well, you can have a critical illness. So if you have a heart attack, some companies, they just give you a check for 25K. You need a stent put in, 25K. You have a triple bypass, Jim. Or did you have? A, did you have? What do you have? You you had six. Thank God you're okay. But if you had one of these policies, Jim, they would have written you a check for 25k. Not bad, right? Tax free. That's a living benefit. You don't have to die. Also, uh, number three. Now there's also other benefits. Critical illnesses. You don't die, but you have a stroke, cancer. Heart attack, blockage, something major like that. Does that make sense? Benefit number three, disability. So let's say you're out on disability. So you get disabled. So you have a disability. You have a heart attack, stroke, cancer. And the boss says, hey, you got to go on disability. You can't, we can't keep paying you what you're being paid. What would happen? Well, you get the state disability which I don't know. It's like 2500 a month if you're lucky. Do you happen to know what it is, Jim? No. Did they give it to you? They didn't even give it yeah. to you. They didn't even um, give it. They didn't even give it to you. Cuz Jim was a trooper. He uh, he hung work. in there. Hey, you took I Can't let the business. Yeah, fall. yeah Jim uh, Jim couldn't do it. So we uh Jimmy had to take care of yourself. But, you know, it's tough because you can't really live on disability. So what it provides is they will pay your premium in the event of disability. Jim's very dedicated. But you know what? Whatever the state pays you on state-run disability is typically not enough. So we mentioned disability benefit, living benefits, disability benefits, meaning if your premium is 10 a year, they will pay your premium in the amount of ten thousand a year. Not bad. So, in the case of Jim, if he went out on disability, they would pay him ten grand a year, and they would have paid him twenty-five grand just because he had it. Not, you know, not going to make you rich, but it's not a bad benefit. Disability benefits, living benefits, disability benefits. Also, something called cash value. That could be used for college, could be used for whatever reason you want. You want want to buy a trip uh, to Hawaii. Now the negative is the loan interest may erode the policy. You don't want to overloan, but it's available for you. So, so far, those are the four big benefits. What are some other benefits? It passes, bypasses probate, which means if you die, and creditors come after your estate for medical bills, they can't take it from the life insurance policy. Or if the life insurance is owned by a trust, they can take it though if you leave a will. So we got five key benefits right now. It it is creditor protected in some states. So check with your attorney. So that's six benefits. There's some more, but just to be simply put, Um, also you could get in some, uh, income for life when you're retired as a retirement stream of income that's tax-free like a Roth because it's deemed a loan. So you got a lot of options with infinite banking, a lot of pros. These are the pros. What are the cons? Well, generally it's the salesman. Um, it's always how it is people sometimes lie they oversell and you know what i thought all those benefits were pretty good you don't really need to oversell it how is it often oversold well people will say you can make a lot of money every year it's pretty mediocre it's uh generally going to pay you a dividend of between four and six percent and some people will say, well, that means I'll make 4 to 6. No, it means your dividend rate is 4 to 6. It doesn't mean make 4 to 6 every year, but it's not, it's a nice conservative way to grow your money, what some call uninterrupted growth. Well, a lot can be said for that. Why is uninterrupted growth good? It's for savings. That's another benefit. People are getting People are using the market crash of today to divert them from their goals. So generally the problem with the strategy is that people over-promote it. I've heard people really miss, uh, sell this on TikTok or other financial misinformation tools. And it's generally a form of index UL. Now IUL is not bad. IUL stands for fixed. Indexed universal life, but some people will say, Oh, you make double digit returns with no losses. Well, that's what happens to your interest credits, maybe, but there's also cost of insurance, so you just have to be aware of that. That the cost of insurance could eat up the policy, and generally, it would take a 10% return down to you know four to six, similar as the other ones. But you gotta realize you're paying for a death benefit for your family, for your loved ones. You know, some people are there at a funeral with flowers. I'm there with checks for clients, for those who need help with their finances due to the foresight that their, you know, father or mother, whoever leaving the death benefit did for their loved ones. So essentially, it's more the hype and that's why I call it infinite banking, because it's not that infinite banking is so wrong. Like if you need money for buying a property, here's what's kind of cool about that. You could loan money out against, let's say you have 120 grand. Let's say we have a market crash and you can buy a piece of real estate with 120 grand. You can then loan that money out against the policy. Let's go to the full, full screen. You're gonna loan that out and let's say you have a 5% interest charge, well that's a write-off because you're using it to fund a business venture, a house owned by an LLC. And maybe you can buy that house cash from the bank and it's a $200,000 house and instead of buying, going to a hard money lender, you can actually go to yourself. So real estate investing and life insurance go hand in hand because if a bank is not willing to give you money, a life insurance company will. So if you're just joining us, we're on Clubhouse, we're on YouTube, so type in the chat box if you have any questions. Jim, if you could look at the chat box in YouTube. If you're on Clubhouse, type in your question. We're gonna take a short break for the uh, the first segment. And when we return, I'll be back with your questions on all matters financial. We're talking inflation, we're talking about infinite spanking, we're talking about Roths and more. This is Josh Jelinsky, the financial quarterback. Don't touch that dial. Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback here. In these uncertain financial times, it is imperative that you guard your financial future. If you call within the next three minutes, we will offer our complimentary Bear Market Survival Guide, which will detail steps to help your plan to potentially survive the COVID-19 crisis. The Bear Market Survival Guide will cover how you might still be able to retire amid a volatile economic climate. We will throw in our complimentary 27-point ultimate game plan for retirement. Call us at 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674 for your Bear Market Survival
1: Call Josh Jelinski, host of the popular financial quarterback radio program, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH.
2: Hey, hey, mama said the way you move, gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. And we're back. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, inviting you to call me right now at 888-988-JOSH. I would love to take you through a tour 45-minute tour of our powerful wealth creation tool called the Protection Savings Growth Model. That gift, it's its literally a wealth blueprint, a blueprint on how to use your money. So give us a call now, 888-988-JOSH. If you have questions on stocks, bonds, annuities, mutual funds, whatever question you have, No question is a dumb one, except the one that you do not ask. So we're answering all your questions on money. The markets are reeling. Inflation is going up epically. Um, The market ended this week. in the red S&P 500 down 2.91%. Dow down 2.73% nasdaq down 3.52 percent and if you want help navigating you know what to do with my 401k what to do with my 457 we're there for you so i'm going to do a little technical analysis in the stock market it's always fun to do charts and we're going to do some ta in the market i'm live on youtube where we're going through different charts i'm going to do a five-day chart if you look, the market, as we say, just had a trapdoor to hell. Uh, basically all of a sudden this morning due to the CPI numbers, boom and this chart does not look good. but here's we are here's where we're at folks. if you look at the six month chart, we're getting a series of lower lows, right? And we're getting a series of lower highs. That's very bearish. Things do not look good, but could be bullish, right? If we hold at 3,900, we're at about 3,900 a few weeks ago when Scott Minard announced summer of pain. Then boom. So this was the summer of pain. And then all of a sudden, we had a rally where we had a 7% rally in like three days and then boom, 7% drop in like two days. So do we do we open up Monday a little cl- lower? So I'm looking at, you know, and you could look at different charts. We could do a daily, we could do a 30-minute chart. We could do a, um, you know, weekly chart, do a daily. If we look at the daily chart, You know, basically, we are at the low of May on the SPX. So what I want to see is I want to see the market rally off the lows like we saw in 519. If not, you know, market looks kind of oversold. It was actually a stat. I read that 85% Michigan consumer sentiment survey is negative. So folks, if you look at the chart, there's some definite uh, negative charting. And again, um, if we look at, can I draw on here? I don't know. So if you look at this chart, kind of a negative trend line. Are we looking, could we have an uptrend? Well, I don't know. Right now it's down trend line. So we shall see. So right now the trend is clearly down. Um, if you look at, I'll do another line. You know, basically things are not looking good. So classic kind of bear market, you know, lower highs, lower lows. Um, but things could change, right? Things could change in an instant. Okay, so basically the S&P chart doesn't look good. If we go back and we look at the 10-year treasury chart, as evidenced by symbol TNX, I just go to Yahoo Finance. You know why I go to Yahoo Finance? Yahoo Finance. Yahoo Finance. It's simple. It's kind of easy to understand. Yields are soaring. If you look at a six-month chart of yields, they keep going up. Interest rates are going up. That means if you bought bonds, they are going up down so you could tie your money for 10 years with the government get 3.15 percent so if you look at the 52 week range this is pretty much near the high that's a very bearish sign right there so we'll take your questions on all matters financial if you have questions on stocks bonds annuities mutual funds no question is a dumb one except the one that you do not ask. So we're talking about treasuries now. We talk about the SPX, a critical number that I want to see us break to be very bearish. If we break 3850, 3750, we may see 3450. It's another 10% decline from lows. Um, That could be very reasonable occurrence. So uh, we're going to go, To the lines, if you have questions, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you if you have questions on stocks, bonds, annuities, mutual funds. Okay, next up, uh, we're taking your calls on All Matters Financial. If you have a question, 800-321-0710. We're here for you. If you have questions on stocks, bonds, annuities, mutual funds, Whatever question you have, no question is a dumb one, except the one that you do not ask. So we are here taking your questions on all matters financial, pinging your friends. We got a lot to talk about, but I always want to hear from you. If you have questions on stocks, bonds, annuities, mutual funds, we are answering all of your questions live. So in this segment, we'll talk about Roths, we'll talk about five ways an excess IRA contribution can happen, and here's how to save a million dollars for retirement on a $60,000 salary broken down by age, and why saving in a 401k plan may be tough if you are a frequent job switcher. So we'll talk about Roth IRAs talk about the market, We'll talk about whatever questions you have when we return. But first, give us a call, 888-988-JOSH and get my free book, The Retirement Reality Check. Call us now, 888-988-JOSH, when you schedule and keep your no obligation review. So coming up this hour, we're discussing one Roth IRA bucket, five ways to make an excess IRA contribution happen, how to save 1 million for retirement, broken down by any age and why saving in a 401k plan may be tough we'll be back after these messages this is josh jolinski the financial quarterback don't touch that dial hey meet you out on the first tee yeah i'll be right there just reading this article on what new bill congress passed Looks like it's going to affect the value of all retirement savings plans. My financial guy didn't tell me about this when I saw him the other day. Well, my guy did, and we made a
1: plan.
3: You may have heard of him, Josh Jalinski. Josh Jalinski is your guy? Listen, if you're 10 years or less from retirement... Which I am. Josh will give you a free economic plan, which includes retirement planning, a 27-point checklist to make sure your income lasts as long as you live. He'll even help you navigate the current tax code. I'm definitely going to call Josh. Cool, but first, can
1: we play some golf? Call Josh Jelinsky, host of the popular Financial Quarterback Radio program, for your free economic plan. 888-988-JOSH. 888-988-JOSH. 888-988-JOSH.
2: And we're back. This is Josh Jelinski, the Financial Quarterback. We're talking about your money. And really, whatever question you have, no question is a dumb one except the one that you do not ask. So we're talking about anything that you want to talk about with your money. So we're also going to break down some history of the markets. So if you have a question, now is the time to chime in. So let's say you own multiple Roth IRAs and you believe it is necessary to maintain all these accounts to keep things properly organized and to track your five-year conversion clocks. Let's say you contributed a Roth IRA number one for over a decade. Then you do another partial Roth conversion from a, Roth, from a traditional IRA many years ago. You get a Roth two. Then you have another one. So let's say you have an, all these various IRAs, you have all these various Roths. So I'm going to give you one Roth IRA bucket clearly defined strict ordering rules and no need to maintain separate Roth IRA accounts like John, if you don't want to, the IRS sees everything. So John was a real anal guy. So he kept everything separate. So he used, so we're going to label these accounts, traditional IRA one, traditional IRA two, Roth IRA one, Roth two, Roth three, Roth four, Roth five. So, you might have seven accounts the irs will only see two your traditional ira dollars and your roth dollars so the way he's you know combined it was he said i'm going to keep one ira for my partial roth conversions and another ira that only will include pre-tax dollars and then these other roths uh by the way i do believe if you have post-tax IRA money, and pre-tax, you should keep that separate. It's, very easy, it's way easier. But in this case, he had contributions and earnings. He had one created by a first traditional Roth to IRA conversion, then a second. So he was keeping them all separate. So how does the IRS keep things straight? How do they know what is Roth contributions and what is conversions and what is earnings? Tax forms, well, Form 1099-R, and form 5498 tell all through these tax forms the IRS can track you they know what went down and they know what's up if John takes a distribution from any of his Roth IRAs what will that distribution consist of based on strict ordering rules the first dollars out will be contributions then conversions then earnings even if John does another conversion today generating Roth IRA number six because he's really anal keeps everything separate then and then take a small distribution from that same account tomorrow, it will be considered a withdrawal of contributions. But how is that possible? Once again, the IRS does not care how many Roths you have or how many you maintain. They only see one bucket of Roths under your name. And that bucket is clearly separated into contributions, conversions and earnings from those forms. Assume John contributed 50,000 to Roth IRA one over many years. This means that every custodian would generate a 5498 and report to the IRS in box 10 Roth IRA contributions. What if John then did a total of 200,000 in conversions? Those conversions would also be reported on a 5498. What about his Roth IRA conversion amount? Roth three, box three. Additionally, each 5498 is essentially time-stamped to track the five-year clock. Basically, on a Roth, you have a five-year clock that you need to keep track of, and we can help you do that. So, generally speaking, you don't need to be as anal as this guy. Give us a call: 888-988 Josh, 888-988 Josh. We're here for you if you have questions on stocks, bonds annuities, mutual funds. Now segment two, you can have too much of a good thing. While saving for retirement with an IRA is a good strategy, there are limits. Everybody's got their limits and so does your IRA. When a contribution is not permitted in an IRA, it is an excess contribution and needs to be fixed. Here are five ways an excess IRA contribution can happen to you. The good news is that excess contributions can be corrected and often without penalty. For the right fix for your situation, be sure to talk to a knowledgeable tax and financial advisor. So we're gonna go to the phone lines and we got Will, who has a question, also JC. JC, can we hear you now? Go ahead.
3: Hey Josh, thanks. I just wanted to kind of go off the cuff and just wanted to see from a regular Joe's uh, point of view on um, the possibility of Shanghai actually shutting down again and as a regular consumer over here at the U.S., how's that going to affect us? And, you know, what do you think we can expect moving forward considering, you know, the direction we're heading uh, with the reports that that came out today?
2: Um, What do you mean by a shutdown?
3: Well, that's what, I mean, on on Twitter, that's what... um, the word was uh, there's another COVID scare and they're shutting down Shanghai again. And that entails, you know, um, more supply chain issues, right? Um, the ports shutting down. I mean, I'm not really sure um, what logistics that affects. Um, but from everything that I've seen and heard, um, you know, as like a consumer, that affects everything all the way down to what we see in the grocery stores or just the regular products we buy off of Amazon.
2: Yeah, and that's certainly why we see the inflation supply chain constraints coming out of China. I think personally, we need to bring all the manufacturing back to the U.S. or at least Canada, Mexico, U.S., because this is just ridiculous. There are shutdowns. Part of me wonders if they just shut down because they see that we're weak and they just want to cripple us. But, I mean, it's nature. We really can't control COVID anymore. So I don't know why we're trying, you know. It's one of these things where, you know, it it looks conspiratorial, but we shall see. Yeah, I I think certainly, I think the big narrative of why the market dropped this week is the 10-year Treasury is over 3%. That's signaling fears. The Fed is rolling bonds off of their balance sheet. No one wants them. So it's causing those rates to go up. The ten-year treasury above three percent is not a good thing for the stock market. They're going to say it's CPI data. We knew we were going to have high inflation. Now, okay, do we want to have eight point one percent or seven point nine percent instead of eight point three? Sure, but I mean, we knew we knew inflation's pretty is is here at least for another few months uh, until the market crashes and then. We'll have a recession and deflation. And the market's already down significantly. So I'm taking your calls on all matters financial. If you have a question, now's the time to chime in. I'm Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. We're live on YouTube, WOR every Saturday, Sunday at 9, and Clubhouse. So invite your friends to listen. We're here for you now uh next up we're gonna go to david david do you have a financial question
1: no i'm good bud just just uh listening in i appreciate it i enjoyed your uh conversation with breedlove
2: oh thank you yeah so yeah we have a youtube up with breedlove he had this chair i felt like i was at a putin conference it's kind of an odd set showed our legs wasn't particularly flattering of me, but it's a good interview with Bree Love talking about God, state, and Bitcoin. And uh, very interesting how, if there is a vacuum, GOV is, is replacing it, not GOD. So uh, it's quite interesting. So, next up, we're going to talk about excess contributions. If any of you have made that mistake, and that can be a grave mistake, you get hit with a penalty. So let's say your accountant tells you you can put in money into an IRA, your financial advisor, and you make a mistake. You will have an excess IRA contribution more than the annual limit for the year. For 2022, you can only put in six thousand a year if you're under age 50, or seven thousand or more if you are 50 or over. Seems like an easy rule to follow, but a lot of people make mistakes. Who is going around contributing tens of thousands of dollars to IRAs in violation of the contribution limits? Especially since most IRA custodians will not accept contributions over the yearly limit. However, an individual with multiple IRAs with different custodians could exceed the limit by contributing to each of them. What I've seen a lot of people is they'll do a Roth and they'll do a traditional because they'll forget they can only do one. So mistake you know, number one is essentially exceeding the annual contribution limit. It's easy, six and seven K. The second mistake is not having enough earned income. A more common occurrence is an IRA owner not having sufficient earned income or taxable compensation to fund an IRA contribution for the year. Well, you can use your spouse's compensation to fund your IRA, you may not use other sources of income, including Social Security, pension, rental, or investment income. So let's say you're under a certain age, and I don't know. Let's say you're 62 retired, but your spouse works. You could do a spouse or IRA and put up to seven grand if they make over seven grand or more. You may have a high income, but not be eligible to also fund an IRA. If you go ahead anyway. The result is called an excess IRA contribution, and there can be an excess IRA contribution penalty. The third mistake is too much income for a Roth contribution. This is a common cause. People think they can do a Roth, and then their income's too high. If your income fluctuates, or if you have unexpected income in the year, you are particularly vulnerable. Watch out for the annual income limits. For traditional IRAs, there are no income limits for eligibility to contribute, so this is never a problem. Number four, failed attempts to roll over funds. You may be surprised that a failed attempt to rollover can result in an excess contribution. Well, how can this happen? Well, there are a variety of ways you can end up in this position. One possibility would be the violation of one of the rollover rules. If you mistakenly roll over the 60-day rollover period and it has already expired, or if you violate the once-per-year rollover rule, you will end up with an excess contribution. This is critical. You are only allowed one rollover per year, one 60-day rollover. You can have an unlimited amount of custodial transfers, but only one 60-day rollover. And also, uh, you can also if you, let's say you do the 60-day rollover and you wait till day 90, well, that's a problem. You can get fines, fees, penalties. RMDs are also not eligible to be put in an IRA. So that's another mistake, mistake number five. Now, how can you fix an excess IRA contribution? If you're listening and you have that problem, give me a call right now at 888 josh If you want help with RMDs, IRAs, avoiding fees and penalties on IRAs, annuities, what have you, give me a call now, 888 josh I'd love to shake your hand, meet with you, and give you a 45-minute wealth blueprint. Call now, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-5674. We'll be back after these messages. Are you worried about the recent coronavirus crisis and how it may have affected your money? Hi, everybody. I'm Josh Jalinski, the financial quarterback, inviting you to join me for my complimentary six ways to keep calm during turbulent markets webinar. If you schedule and keep your no obligation webinar today at 888 988 Josh, it's a great thing to do. If you're stuck at home under stay at home orders, call us right now, 888 988 Josh. If you're bored, there's never been a better time to get a second opinion on your wealth than right now 888-988-JOSH 888-988-5674 and go to my website retirementrealitycheck.com today and take your free investment profile quiz and when you buy my book you're eligible for three free gifts
1: 888-988-JOSH call Josh Jelinski host of the popular financial quarterback radio program 888-988-JOSH
2: And we're back. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback. If you have a question on stocks, bonds, annuities, mutual funds, whatever question you have, no question is a dumb one except the one that you do not ask. So we are here live. If you have questions on stocks, bonds, annuities, mutual funds, you could have questions on Bitcoin, stocks, How much should you set aside? So we're going to give you next a tip. And there was a comment in one of the chats about why bother with traditional vehicles when you simply can buy Bitcoin and hold considering the returns you get every four years. Well, good question. If, well, one, Bitcoin's gone down 50% since November. So there are a lot of people bought last year and they're down 50%. So I'm a big believer that you shouldn't have all your eggs in one basket, even though I'm a Bitcoin maximalist. You know, so I don't think, you know, being pro-Bitcoin means you're anti-diversification, anti-common sense. Also, if we have a bear market, Bitcoin's going to go down with it. If stocks are down 50% from here, 30% from here, Bitcoin probably moves right now very similarly to the S&P. Now in terms of long-term, big believer in long-term, but let's say you wanna buy Bitcoin. Well, you can buy Bitcoin with an IRA and you get a write-off to huddle Bitcoin to increase your stack. So instead of buying, so let's say you can put in 6,000 into an IRA. Now you can put in 6,000. So instead of putting in four grand, now you can put in six. So if you only have four grand, you get an extra write-off on your taxes, get more money in your pocket, more money to huddle long-term in Bitcoin or stocks. Now, I'm personally more of an advocate of owning it in cold storage, away from traditional vehicles. I think that's the benefit of Bitcoin. But if, if, if all you are is looking to increase your stack or increase your position in Bitcoin, why not do that with help from Uncle Sam? So I'm a big believer in uh, Bitcoin, but in terms of an IRA, um, you know, so somebody made a comment about GBTC has a significant discount. Um, yeah, it does have a discount. Um, we shall see if it if the long-term premise of GBTC works. That stands for the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. We're not recommending anyone buy or sell it, but um, it, it trades at a discount right now. Significant discount. And the thought is if they ever go public, or if they ever uh, make it a, not public, if they ever make it an ETF, those who own it could actually make a profit from that discount. Uh, But we'll see if it happens. I've been hearing that for years and it hasn't happened. So now setting aside a percentage of your salary every month is a simple way to grow your retirement account over time. So folks, give us a call, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH. I want to thank you all for joining us. And if we have any uh, room for further questions, uh, you can come up to the stage now and ask your questions.
1: Hey, Josh, I'll, I'll ask a quick question that I put in the chat. So one of the things, like if you're an S-Corp, or let's say you're an independent contractor and you're registered as an S-Corp, you have the you know the ability to doing a, a SEP IRA, which as far as I understand, lets you put up to 25% of your revenue. Um, I would think that might be a better... Uh, Uh, you know, way of doing things sometimes if possible, because uh, I actually got hit last year with that, that excess funds thing, realizing that, wow, you can't put the $6,000 in and realistically $6,000 a year isn't very much to get you to retirement. And so if you can generate a business that generates a significant amount of income, it would make sense to do a step by array to put that significantly, um, you know, significantly larger amount into a retirement fund. Like your thoughts on that.
2: Um, I am not a big fan of the SEP unless you didn't do proper planning and your accountant says that's the only way you can get a write-off. For small business owners, I prefer a solo 401k or a solo Roth 401k with a profit sharing. And and here's why. You could do a Roth. I, I don't you know, I don't believe there's a SEP Roth, but you can do a Roth 401k. You can sock up to 27 grand if you're 50 or older and it'll grow tax-free and you can pull it out tax-free. So with all this government spending, taxes are going to probably be higher. So I would merge a solo 401k or solo Roth with a profit sharing. And with the profit sharing, you could get up to like 60k as a write-off.
1: So what about those that are less than 50, though? are is there What's the maximum contribution on something like that?
2: Less than 50 grand of income?
1: Uh, no, if you're less than, unless, uh, do you say 50 years of age? Okay,
2: if you're 49 and no. under, you could sock away up to 20500 in the Roth 401k or the solo 401k if you need to write off. And then the additional, you could do what's called the profit sharing plan, and you could write off up to 60000 So...
1: Good to know. Good to know. Uh, that
2: that's more favorable to the step. The reason why most small business owners do the SEP is that's something. The benefit is, let's say you you want a tax plan for, let's say I met you. I mean, I've known you for a while, but let's say you came to us April whatever, April fourteenth before tax filing. There's some things we can do now for last year's return. So let's say you did not do planning for 2021, the SEP you can sort of do after the fact. Some of these other things you have to do by the tax filing deadline, they've changed the rules on that a little bit so there's more flexibility with the cash. And and there's a bunch of different plans. You could do a 401k, a Roth 401k, solo 401k, cash balance pension, profit sharing. Those are all better options than a SEP. SEP's not bad if you... If you can't do the others and we'll give a free audit to show you your options. Here's how much you can put in a SEP. Here's how much you can put. It's not that the SEP's bad. It's better than nothing. Right. But cause you get a write-off and it may be, uh, but they changed the rules recently uh, that make the others far better than a SEP. So I hope that helps you. So it's more of an afterthought then is what you're saying. The SEP is, was usually done. You'd go to your account and your account say, okay, you could do a SEP to lower your taxes. SEPs really designed. Like you're like, Oh, I didn't do any planning. So let's say you can do planning for 2022. You do the 401k, but let's say it's too late to do it for 2021. Uh, you can do the SEP. So the, the benefit of the SEP is, is it, you can do it after the tax filing debt. You know, you can do it after April 15th. Typically, I think they changed that. Um, on the other, but you have to have a plan document in place. But I have a, I have an actuary that we work with. His name is Brian and he'll be able to make sure, uh, whatever you're doing is kosher. Okay.
1: Oh, good. I I find it fascinating how our system encourages, you know, or benefits businesses over consumer, you know, over the the general worker where, you know, as a business owner, you can put in 20,000, but as a, as an employee, you can only put in 6,000 it just doesn't seem like it, it seems like it's put against uh, the average person in general which is kind of sad for this country
2: well i would say this is how i would solve that problem and a regular employee could put in 20,500 into their 401k but many just don't have the the funds to do so uh i think what would be a better more um more practical solution would say at your tax filing deadline, if you want to put more than the six grand IRA in, they could put up to twenty thousand five hundred into an IRA. That way, if let's say it saved them ten grand year in taxes, or like in New Jersey, right, with state and federal taxes, if you put twenty grand in a four hundred one k, you get an eight thousand dollars tax savings, and some people nine thousand dollars tax savings. Now you end up having to pay that back when you're retired. But if you don't have enough money to save retirement, it's a great place to start. So, And with the Roth, all that money is growing tax-free. So powerful uh, question. Um, can a SEP be a backdoored into a Roth? Yes, but it's a backdoor backdoor. So you would do a SEP rollover to an IRA, My heart. and then you would put that into the Roth. But you gotta be careful. I wouldn't do that alone. And we're here for you at eight eighty eight, nine eighty eight, Josh, if you need help. Uh, any other, other questions on that, David or Jay? No, I'm getting- yeah,
0: um, I, I have a uh I started with a SEP and now I have a Roth. No, and now I have a four oh one K with the profit sharing, but it's costing me for the uh administrator like two to three thousand a year in fees.
2: Does that sound about right to you? Um, I want to say our guy charges like, I think he can, he's a lot cheaper, but you can get administration service. I want to say 700 bucks. Are you in like a pension? Uh,
0: yeah, it's one of those pensions where they do the, uh, you know, the test for, um, highly compensated people and
2: all that. I mean, you can write it off generally, but, but why don't you call us? We can shop it around with three vendors and see who does a better deal. Okay. Like my guy, I don't mind paying him a fee because he's really good. So he can, I mean, some of these people, they're just collecting money. They're just collecting a paycheck. Some of them are actually helping you design and getting a greater write-off, helping your employees, all that stuff. So uh, just give me a call, 888-988-JOSH, and leave a message if uh, the phones are busy. And, and one of our wonderful team members will get back to you to schedule a 45-minute free Zoom session. So if you want a free 45-minute Zoom session and a free book, call us, 888-988-JOSH. Okay, Jay, anything else?
0: Um, so if I have a separate a SEP that I did years ago, I just have to keep that separate then from the uh, 401k, right? I can't combine them and just have
2: one account. You could combine them if they're all pre tax, by the way.
0: Oh, I can. So I can roll the SEP into the other plan, huh? Yeah, I don't.
2: Um, can we roll SEP into 401k, Jim? I think so. I think but so. we'll, we'll uh, call me and I'll check on that. But I think so. All right. Okay. Um, okay. Thank you. you can definitely roll a SEP to an IRA. Um, I'm just going to check SEP to 401k. Um, I I think you can do, it's called a reverse rollover. The traditional rollover is 401k to IRA, but you can also go IRA back to 401k. And the SEP is a type of IRA. So I believe you can do that. So
0: I like the, uh, backdoor Roth, but the thing is, if your income's too high, you, you can't have a Roth and you cannot have a regular IRA, right? Even if it's not deductible. Is no, that right? if
2: your income's too high, you can do a non-deductible IRA. You get no write-off, and then you backdoor it. Then okay, you so
0: regardless it. of in, regardless of income, anybody can do a non deductible IRA. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Good news. Good. good we can news. help
2: you with that. Give us a call, eight 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 nine at Josh. Some people will say you can't do that, but they're wrong. So, okay. I think you. eventually they'll get rid of that, but they haven't gotten rid of it yet, so, which is a great way for people to do a Roth if they make too much money. So give us a call, 888-988-JOSH, 888-988-JOSH. You'll get a free 45-minute Zoom strategy session with me or in person. We'd love to hear from you, 888 josh 888 5674 I want to thank you all for joining us. Follow me, follow the club. We'll talk more. This is Josh Jelinski, the financial quarterback, 88, 988, Josh.